Welcome to Getting It Together. I'm your host, Erin Heidelberger, the OG Git Mom. What is Git Mom? It's a philosophy, a way of life, and a national movement, if I do say so myself, that's helping moms everywhere get it together. G-I-T. Get it? I'm a certified parent coach and the founder of Get Mom. I empower moms to feel in control in this totally out of control experience we call motherhood. I want to welcome you to a whole new way of thinking about parenting. The secret formula to creating a happy family is, wait for it, to put yourself front and center. Get Mom is the only coaching company in the country focusing on mom's happiness rather than her kids. I give moms simple one, two, three steps to parent more effectively and efficiently. The end goal is always to carve out happy mommy time for you because happy, confident, independent moms raise well-adjusted, self-assured, and happy children. Every podcast, I'll be inviting my guests to talk about how they get off mommy island, how they put the me in mommy, and what they do to get it together. My dream for this podcast is to be the answer to your parenting woes. So let's get into it. Joining me today is Deandra Simmons. And let me tell you, she gives meaning to the term being a multi-hyphenate. She's the CEO and owner of the skincare company, Hard Night, Good Morning, as well as Ultimate Living, a natural health and wellness company, a true pioneer in her industry, plus she's a holistic expert, a world traveler, a reality TV star, everyone knows that I love my housewives, and a humanitarian. That's barely even skimming the surface of everything this powerhouse woman is doing, but at the center of it all is her family. Born and raised in Dallas, Deandra has long been a bright light on the Texas social scene, but now she's bringing up the next generation of Texas Titans with her husband, photojournalist Jeremy. Together with their mother from his previous marriage, she and Jeremy are co-parenting his children, Keaton and Cohen. Deandra's love for her stepchildren really shines through on the Real Housewives of Dallas, where she can be seen navigating parenting with elegance and Funk. Welcome, Deandra. Thank you so much, Irene. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. So it's been a very interesting time in the world these last few months. So let's Mm -hmm. kick off and talk about Corona, which has no doubt affected your family just like everyone else's. And as we are recording this, Texas has opened back up from quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yes, finally. Well, Yay! we opened and then we kind of, you know, did a lot of events last it off. week. Backed it off. Yeah, a lot of places have. Let's talk about how did you survive while keeping your companies relevant and yourself sane? As every business owner, especially small business owner, women entrepreneur, I mean, we already have, we already face challenges that are unique to us. And for me, it was about first of all, literally, what the hell am I going to do? And then, okay, it's time to sit down, not panic and not start crying, which, you know, I wanted to do and think about how do I pivot? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a human being. So I have emotions attached to all this. Plus when it's my baby, my brand. And, you know, I did sit down. I actually did a little video where I sat down and I said, oh my God, I said, what am I going to do about my employees? I said, I don't care about me. I can go without a paycheck for a while, figure it out. But my employees have mortgages and they have kids in college. Living paycheck to paycheck. They are living paycheck. Most Americans. Yeah. And I mean, so it's just, it was very difficult, but I pulled, my dad used to say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and put your big girl panties on, which we all know I own big girl panties because we saw that. Who doesn't? Season. Are you kidding? They're more, <laughs> more comfortable than a thong. I'm proud, of, I'm proud of my big girl panties and my little house on the prairie nightgowns, which we can get into that too. But um, <laughs> so I put all that on, my armor on, and I just thought, okay, how am I going to get the message out? Because brand awareness is really, what I was doing, Irene, was I was going on trunk shows and Carrie Brittingham and I were doing that and we were doing very well and we were meeting and growing people that were fans, but then also talking about our brands and bringing awareness to the brands. And it was a wonderful combination. And then all that stopped. 
So I figured, okay, I can't just let my business sit idle for two months. So we started doing Instagram and Facebook live educational sessions on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now I have backed away from that for the last week and a half, just because of the, um, what's happening in our world. I don't, I don't think that it's appropriate to do that right now. We will go back and do that. However, it really did bring awareness to the line. We saw sales during this time, people that didn't know me and didn't realize how committed I was to my brands and to my business because they just saw the TV show. They didn't understand. Wow. This woman actually has done she her actually research. works. I work really hard and I've been working at this business for over almost 25 years. And so they kind of really realized people were saying, you know, she knows about her products. And I think that really helped us. So it's been very successful. And I also really kind of pivoted and started doing more interviews. I actually hired a PR team during this crisis and spent some money during the crisis because I thought that's when I hired a new PR person because I thought I can't be obsolete and go away. So they've been getting me interviews and sitting out there and having me comment on different health and wellness things. The relevance is so important. When everybody wasn't spending the money on that, I started to spend money on that. And I thought this is the best way to keep my business going. And it has worked. So during the time, I did have to make some tough decisions, though. So we did that as far as the um, social outreach with me talking about the lines. But then we decided to move the business home to my home office. That's why this mess is behind me because we were supposed to move outside. We were supposed to move to another office space, but we were talking five to 7,000 a month. And I'm going, do I really want to spend 60 to, you know, 80,000 a year? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. This is not the time to do that. This is not the time. Right. So we moved it home and it's worked okay, except, you know, we have a little internet issues here and there, but everybody was working from home during COVID anyway. So we already figured out how to do that successfully. And people are more productive because they're excited. Not everybody lives, lives in the area of Dallas I live in, and I'm not going to have an office that's more than five to 10 minutes away. So they were driving long hours to get there. And now they get up, they do their job. They're with their family. They're happier. They're really in better moods. And I would have never thought this would have happened this way, but it's such a blessing to see that this model of working can work and you can be successful and they're just happier. I mean, everyone's happier, including, you know, as soon as I got my house back together, I'll be happier too. But I do think that there's been horrible things because of COVID, but then on the other side, there's a silver lining for me and for my business in my relationship with my employees. We have a trust, we have a loyalty and we have we all sat down. I have four women and it's just four women in my business. And we all sat down and said, we are going to do this. We're going to figure this out. And we are a team. And it's never and been like that. we're all big granny panties at the same That's right. time while we have this meeting. <laughs> and if you show up in a thong, bye-bye. There's the door. <laughs> and I, so I, to wrap up your question, I mean, I, you know, I've been going on, but I worked harder than I've ever worked in my life because I didn't have to do 3,000 projects in addition to my business. And I just focused on my business and I have seen the rewards. I mean, today, just this week, our sales are incredible. And I mean, I haven't even been on social media and I'm so thankful. I mean, I'm so thankful to God for, for watching out for me and for really, I mean, you know, I've been putting a lot out there for a long time and I didn't see the rewards. And I kept thinking, when is this going to happen? Because I know that my products are good. I know it's just a brand awareness issue. So I'm very thankful, even though we've had, you know, really tough last week. So, and well, here's what I want to say to you. I want you to be thankful to Deandra because you are the one who pivoted. You were the one who said, Hey, life is not normal. And what are we going to do? Because we're not going to roll over. We're going to rise up. We're going to put on our big girl underpants and we're going to do this. So no, like I want you to really like be proud of yourself because you led your team. So I'm like so And I also, and I'm not to say this is not a negative commentary, but for me, I chose not to focus on social media and do TikToks and all this kind of stuff that everybody else is doing because that's not my brand. It's my not, brand. It's not where your customer is, though. It's not your it's customer. It's not my base. brand. It's not really me. It's like just to do something that everybody else is doing during quarantine. And yeah, my numbers maybe haven't grown because of other people have done all that. But at the same time, I have to stick true to who I am. And I sat down and talked over that with my social team, and they're just like, "This is not you." You know, if I had kids, like little kids, and we were doing TikToks together, something. But that's not really. It's not my brand. So right now, I chose not to focus on those type of projects over. Um, the quarantine time, but really focus on my business. Right. You had to stay relevant. Yeah. All right. So as we got further and further into quarantine, I don't know about you, but I, I'm sure just, just like me, like you, my list of spa services. Oh my Lord God. I that what you're gonna say. Would take to restore 
this situation grew longer and longer by the week. There's nothing that does not need to be serviced at this point. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tell me, when Dallas reopened, what was your first self-care indulgence? Well, believe it or not, I didn't. Um, I didn't have time to get my nails done. I got them done yesterday and we've been open for a while. So, well, so, then, so then nail your manicure. Yeah. So I got my manicure, my pedicure yesterday, but uh, a lot of my friends have been doing that for two weeks. I just didn't have time. And um, I didn't put nails back on, which is unusual for me because I found that a lot of the things I, I do was like cooking and working with my hands and I'm trying to build a garden. It's having nails. is not good for me. So I can do this. I can handle it without the nails as long as I look like I have a nice manicure. So that didn't happen. Um, coloring my hair was the major thing. So getting my hair colored and cut because I took all my extensions out. (laughs) So it looked a little bit shabby for a while and I haven't decided what I'm going to do about my hair, but, um, I'm going to go back darker. I know that because Mm. I really like being a brunette. I tried to do the lighter blonder thing, but I just feel like for me, it's, that's who I am as a bossy brunette. So, <laughs> and then I do need to have some laser services. I mean, my legs and thank God you can't see my face. Oh. Really close up, but I do oh. need to get laser. <laughs> Head to toe. And Botox. Oh, no. I haven't had any Botox. I haven't had any fillers. I haven't had any time to do any of that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really a work in progress, you know, and I still haven't made my, my appointments because I don't have time. So I need to get with it. Uh, no, well, no, you don't have to get with it because you are building, you're like, keeping your business relevant. You are keeping your employees employed. You're giving them paychecks. So that's what's most important, especially right now during quarantine and COVID. And thank you. Like I'm sure every, I mean, that's so much more important. Well, you look pretty um, damn good to me. So at least well, you, you know got your what? makeup on. Thank you. No, I, I even I, get my makeup on today. No, it's okay. No, that's okay. I literally, I checked myself in yesterday. I was like, I need to fix this situation because I am, I'm a train wreck, but right. So now had you had, we done this interview two days ago, you'd be like, okay, all right, you're cool. All right. No, I was like in dire need. All right. So I always tell my get mom clients, it's so important to make time for you so that you can be rejuvenated for your family. And speaking of Tell me about your family, the reason we are all here today, because on The Real Housewives of Dallas, you share your close relationship with your stepchildren and a peek into how you navigate being a blended family. I know I and all of your fans really appreciate you and your family for being so open about your experience. And I know my listeners would really benefit from your insight. So I'd love if you would walk us through the first time you met your stepchildren. Yes, I would love that. So when I first started dating my husband, I believe, Irene, it was probably, I would say, over six months, six months to a year when he introduced me. I want to say it was very close to a year. And I do think that as an older person, because I'm 51, my husband will be 50 this year, you kind of think about those things and how they're going to impact children. And I don't think you should introduce your children to a person you're dating unless you're very, very serious because they get confused. That's just the way I feel about it. Um, And everybody can have their own opinion. But I wanted, and Jeremy was, I mean, Jeremy really, whenever we started dating, he didn't talk much about kids. He said he had two children, but I think he was kind of seeing, you know, if this was going to last, if I was going to be the one. And then we started kind of having those conversations. So when I met them the first time, I believe it was at a dinner in Charleston. And I think we went to a really nice restaurant or something like that. And we had time together and they, of course, had known about me and everything. And then the next time we really were together was on a family vacation. So Jeremy's parents always have a beach house in uh, the Outer Banks. So we went as a family, had two beach houses. And that was the first time I spent a long a week with the, with the kids. And actually, Jeremy asked me to get married at the end of that trip. He, uh, he uh, proposed to me on the beach. So <laughs> I am dying. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he told them, he said, look, I want to let you know this is what is going to happen. And so they knew and they were kind of, they had, you know, given their blessing. I'm not saying, I think it's important to communicate with children. You know, so they knew that. And then we went, we got engaged. And since then, we've had good times and bad times. I, not being a parent on my own, I've had a lot of lessons to learn. And I will tell you that, you know, I didn't get a lot of love my first season of Housewives because I was really tough on Keaton. And my parents were pretty tough on me. So maybe that's where I was coming from. 
I let my emotions get into it too much. But I was being protective, but maybe, you know, I was thinking about myself and not him. I learned that lesson. You were thinking about your experience, your childhood, how you, like, I love how you use that word shepherded. So Mm -hmm. how you, how you shepherded your family, your parents shepherded you into your education. And so Mm -hmm. you wanted to instill that experience on him, which is really commendable and so loving and giving. And that's really extraordinary. You can't put your view of success on your children. You have to understand what their view of success is. And that's what I didn't understand. And now I understand that I don't try to insert myself into his life or his decisions, his career decisions. Um, And he's actually been with Orange Theory working there for almost a year. And he was the only person in uh, Charleston at his Orange Theory that wasn't let go. And now he's been moved into a higher position. So, and he's very happy there. And that's, if that's what he wants to do, that's great. And he's fulfilled in his career choice. And that's the only thing I can aspire and hope for as a parent that my child or my stepchild is happy and fulfilled and there's no regrets. Well done, Deandra. That's amazing. And I love how you said what you want in your life is completely different from your stepchild's. And so we as parents have to, all we can do is provide them with opportunities and tools and skills and parenting and give them the wings. And it sounds like, and it's obvious, he is being very successful that he Look, look what we're all coming out of with COVID. He's working for um, one of our country's major fitness facilities. And mm-hmm. like you said, he was the only one who was not let go. Um, you don't believe this. He called me two days ago. He never really calls me unless we're talking together as a family. But he just said, just want you to know, uh, I love you and I'm thinking about you and I'm doing great and give me a call when you can. So just the fact that he reached out to me was Individually. Huge. Yes, was huge. I'm going to call him back and tell him how much I, you know, I'm proud of him and, and see what he's up to. Right. And that's all our children want to hear is we are proud of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great job. All right. So what is your advice for a person who is about to meet a potential stepchild for the first time? I would say the first thing is to ask the children about themselves and don't talk about yourselves the whole time. You know, just, you know, what are they into? What hobbies? What are they like in school? If they're in school, if they're older, um, you know, ask about their job, their career, you know, what's the most, um, if you're, what's the most fun thing you've ever done with your dad or what do you, you know, enjoy doing oh, that's with cute. dad? Right, I right. mean, I would say things like that because the less you talk about yourself and less they're asking you questions, that means to me, always in conversations, asking people about themselves is, really, if I'm doing an interview, the right way to go, because if I talk about me the whole time, they're going to be like, wait, she didn't ask me anything about me, you know? Right. And they're little, you want to engage them and make them feel right. Like you said, that's important. You want to make them feel important. And I don't think there's any discussion that has to be ever said about, I'm not your mother trying to be your mother. I think that's, I think that just don't say that. You don't need to say that. They know you're not, they're not they know that you are not their mom and that you're not trying to be their mom. So you don't have to point (laughs) that the obvious out. Just if they, if they ask you, just say, I love your, I love your dad, depending on how far you are in the relationship. You know, I love your dad. Um, I want you all to have a good relationship. I'm here to support that relationship, not to uh, be a roadblock or an obstacle to that relationship. So anything I can do to help the communication be better between you and your dad, I'm willing to, you know, be that bridge and be that person. And I'm not going to stand in the way of you having a relationship with your dad. So those kind of messages, I think a lot of times kids think here comes the stepmother in or the the new relationship and they're right, going the, to the wicked problems. Of the West. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just knowing that just comforting, I think is the most important thing you can do is being a comforting person in their lives. And, and, but don't try, I'm not saying try to be their friend because that's you also are in a position of authority as a parent. I'm not their parent, but I'm going to, if they ask me for advice, I'm going to give advice and I'm not going to go against what their dad says because that's not my job to do that. I will talk to him privately if I don't agree, but I'm not going to give them conflicting information. I'm not their mom. So that's a little bit different. You have to be really careful and walk the line very carefully with regards to that. All right. So while dating, did you and Jeremy have preconceived notions about what merging your family would look like and how accurate were they in the end? 
Jeremy really, lucky for me when, um, you know, I met my husband's kids, <laughs> they were boys and not girls because I do think that boys are a little bit more tolerant, a little bit more open. And if it had been girls, there can be that here's the new woman in the relationship and I have to have, you know, I have to fight with her for attention. And I didn't have any of that. Now they were very protective of their mother as they should be. And I didn't try to insert myself in those conversations. I really have never talked about their mother with them, period, because it's not my job to do that. That's Jeremy's job. And there's a lot of tension there. Not anymore, but at the beginning, there was a lot of tension. So I felt you never, ever talk about the other person's spouse in a negative way. That's not going to do you any good. It's not going to do anything that's going to help the family uh, dynamic. And that's my husband's job to deal with that because he was married to her and he knows her and that I wasn't there. So I can't really say anything. And I really didn't have much interaction with my uh, husband's ex-wife, but I still don't. I let them converse and talk about the boys and do the things they need to do. Uh, and it works for us as a family. All right. I really, really am blown away by how open and honest you're being. And I know you're helping everyone like really just kind of feel normal. And any of our, you know, step parents out there just feel normal and navigating this situation because it is every family's different. And I love what you said about the boys. Boys are just so, they're just so basic when, you know, and girls are extra. Like, yeah. let's just break it down. You know what? And, but, but why are we extra? Because we are the reason that the world exists. So we have every reason to be extra. Um, and, and I think girls fight for their dad's attention with a new woman. And um, I didn't have that with the boys. So uh, luck, I was very lucky. And they were older. The kids were teenagers by the time I met them. They were in their teens. So uh, they had gone through, you know, they weren't little, little babies when I met them. So that's also a positive. One is going into college is going to be a senior. That's Cohen. And then Keaton now is uh, 24. So I met them when they were, you know, in high school. So, all right. So I would guess with 99% of all parenting experiences that even once you became their stepmom officially, there were still some parenting blunders along the way. So can you share any initial missteps with Keaton and Cohen that you had to work through together that you were like, oh gosh, like, you know, face palm emoji, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Like rewind the tape. Oh, eek. Well, most of the things I've done wrong are inserting my opinion when it's not warranted. Unsolicited advice is the worst thing. Right. That's my most egregious fault as a step parent is unsolicited advice. And so I've learned to zip it a little bit better. Right. <laughs> um, shut, shut yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially with regards to relationships they may be in. Now, if they call me and ask me for advice, that's one thing I'm going to answer, but I'm not going to say, well, you should not date that girl or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that because that's where you get into trouble. Um, just, I will be very honest with you right now, this week I've had an issue with our youngest son and I'm going to just say how it is. I'm not even talking to him right now because I'm so mad because, mm. um, he's going into a senior year in college and he wants to yeah, be a doctor. You mentioned that. He oh. wants to be a doctor. And so, uh, we had talked about an internship here at the hospital in Dallas. Over the summer? And, yeah. Like right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right now. And I worked really hard to secure that you know, I went back and forth with, I need your cover letter. I need this. I need that. Well, I don't know how to do resume. I said, okay, fine. I've got the head person at the hospital on the phone at two o'clock on this day to talk you through how you're going to make this happen. Didn't make the phone call. Didn't follow through. So I was very upset, but then today Jeremy's talked to him and he said, he's just going to stay in Charleston. And so he's not interested in it. Once again, it's me putting my desires in there and thinking this is a great program for him because he wants to be a psychiatrist. But if he doesn't want to do it, I got to walk away from it and say, okay, I, I thought I was doing the right thing, but it may not be the right thing for him. Now I'm mad because I worked really hard on this. Well, <laughs> I mean, well, and you, you know, love I, I'm human. Right. Yeah. I mean, I want I went the best for him and I thought this would set him up really well for the future. Plus it was a paid internship, which is amazing oh with regards gosh. to what he wants to do. And so I am very upset for spending all this time and then him not following through, but I got to let it go. And I have, I need probably a couple days to, you know, decompress and let it go and then go on my merry way. But those are the kind of things that I get upset about because I do want to set 
both of my kids up for success. And when I do and they don't follow through, that's what really irks it's me. It's really <laughs> frustrating. And I love how you call them your kids because they are, they're not your flesh and blood, but they are your heart. And you yes. have opportunities and you spent your time and you were communicating and you were emailing and and securing things and you thought, hey, we're all in the same boat. This is where we're going to go. We're going to have a great internship. We're going to be paid. We're moving forward. And so how do you how, like, all right, so you're in the heat of the moment. You know, I'm you, in the heat of the moment. I'll be, I'm, I'm being honest with you because if you've seen me on Housewives, that's who I am. I just tell it like it is. So I'm honest with you that I'm mad right now. And I just have to get over it and I have to move on and realize that me mirroring my wants for him on his life, that's not what he wants right now. He'll make his own path and choose his own course. He's a straight A student. I mean, he's, he's doing phenomenal in school. He's going to go into the military and have them pay for his medical school. He wants to be a uh, military uh, psychiatrist for PTSD veterans. He has his whole course set up. So maybe this just wasn't the opportunity that she, he should have. So I just need to... Settle in myself, take a few deep breaths and meditations, and then get get past it. All right. So sh share with me. So you you received the email or the text like I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not coming this summer. Mm -hmm. What did you do? Were you like, what the fuck? Had a glass of wine. Told Jeremy like I can't I can't I can't I can't I, I'm so mad. What was like? What did you do? And then how have you now? come out of the other side to be like, all right, I'm rational. It is his life. All I can do is provide opportunities, but it's his life ultimately. So what did you do initially and how did you get up from the other side? So initially we had a conversation about it, um, gosh, a few months ago and then um, on the phone. And then I started setting up text messages between Jeremy and Cohen and myself about the next step. The old family group text? Yes, the family group text. And then the next step was, here is the name of the person at the hospital to contact. He can talk to you at this time on a Friday, which, you know, he's not at school right now, so he could obviously do it. And then that day passed and went by and nothing happened. And the person was at my house because he's a good friend and said, we didn't hear from Cohen. Uh, what do you want to do? What's next steps? And I said, mm. okay, well, I'll talk to him and find out if he's really on board. And so we tried to call him several times and there was no answer. I didn't. I let Jeremy, once again, let Jeremy handle this because it's not my job. It's, he's my stepson and he is my right, child. Right, so you took the step back. Yeah, I took the step back because if I had gotten into it, it probably wouldn't have been handled very well because I was mad. <laughs> so I let but Jeremy no, but handle But no, that was it. important. So you're right. You yeah. took a breath and you said, I'm out. Please yeah. handle it. And, so. you know, I have to say to you, like, there's no reason to, even though you like, you spent so much time, so much hard work all the communications, all the family texts. And it's hard to not feel like, like unappreciated. Like what? Like I, I you know, I've been spending months on this for you. And, and we just, we, we have to be professionals as parents and just, it's not about us. It's about our children. Mm -hmm. And as they grow up, they have their own brains and minds and decisions. Who knows? But he needs to make his own decisions for his life. Absolutely. All right. So I want to ask you, how have the three of you parents created a united parenting front? Well, I will say, so Jeremy and Britt had a very difficult um, time whenever we got together and, and everything. Um, but now several years have passed. We've been married. It'll be seven years next year. So, and obviously I've done a lot of things for her kids that she probably didn't expect that I would do. And so the two of them really talk on the phone with regards to each child. If there's a medical issue or a school issue or a health and wellness issue, they do that. I don't get involved in that. Now, Jeremy comes to me privately and says, what do you think about this? Because he values my opinion. But I don't get on the phone with uh, Jeremy and his ex-wife because, like I said, inserting myself in and that when I have too many ever, cooks, too many too cooks many in cooks, the kitchen. And I know she doesn't, she will not appreciate that because mm -hmm. she birthed these children and they're, they're her kids. And I know that she wouldn't appreciate that. So I'm standing back and letting my husband do that. And then if he wants to talk to me about it in private, then I think that's the right way. Now, that's just the way we as a family work. 
Um, she's very protective of her children and very opinionated about who should make those parenting decisions. And I have to respect that. Mm-hmm. So I respect her decision to not insert myself in uh, these type of scenarios. And then all is well on our end. And we can see each other in person and not kill each other because I'm not trying to insert my opinion in every parenting decision they're making. Amen to not killing each other. That is what we all <laughs> you know what I, mean? I mean, it's just, it's just, I, of course it can I be very difficult for step parents and ex-wives. It's and heated. It was yeah, a lot, so, like we said, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Now, not being her adversary or being the person that is always throwing my opinion on her children's lives. Mm-hmm. She respects that. Right. You're like, I'm not sitting across from you. I'm sitting next with you and I'm here for you. I'm not judging your parenting skills because God knows I don't have any experience in this. So I'm not going to tell you you're doing something wrong. It's not my business. I love it. You know what? Can everyone stop judging each other's parenting skills? That would be amazing. Let's all take Deandra's advice. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit here to your other babies, your businesses. You are a super serious mogul, which I love Mm -hmm. to see in a get mom. And you are the owner of the very popular skin line, Hard Night Good Morning. I, when I saw this on the Real Housewives of Dallas, I was like, I am in love with this brand's name. Like it speaks to me as well as Ultimate Living, a natural health and wellness company. So it would be really irresponsible of me if I didn't ask you for your best suggestions for how to come out of quarantine feeling healthy and well. During quarantine, well, for me, one of the things I focused on was living healthier because sometimes Mm -hmm. I get really stressed out and I don't take care of myself. So I am a real big proponent of green foods, which is our anchor product, Green Miracle. My mother was the first person, one of the first was the first woman to make a green foods product when she had cancer. She decided that she didn't understand why she had cancer. And then we spent three years literally traveling the world, meeting with naturopaths, herbalists. We went to Dr. Misho Kushi, who's right up there where you are in Vermont. Oh. Uh, yes, we went all over the world trying to figure out why she got cancer because my mother was a model. She was skinny. She was perfect health. And then she had breast cancer. So mm-hmm. she really decided that green foods were the best way to keep her immune system uh, maintaining its optimal level for health and wellness. So she made a green food product. I have since then reformulated to where it tastes better. Cause back then we were just trying to save people's lives. We weren't care. We didn't care about what it tasted like. You know, now there's other <laughs> products on the market that are similar, but I still believe ours is the best. And we are the first people to formulate it. Uh, and it's has more greens than most of them out there. It has the different mushrooms to build your immune system. It has the fruits and vegetables. It has the, the blood, uh, detoxifying herbs like milk, milk thistle, for instance. So, uh, it has astragalus, it has reishi, cordyceps, all kinds of different things. So it's a great product, but that's really, um, something I focused on more during this time. Cause when people, when COVID hit, people wanted to know how to stay healthy and how to prevent right, and, and boost their immune systems. Right. So we really focused on that. And I've still now stayed with that. My husband and I are still taking our supplements and I go to a naturopath as well. And she kind of evaluates me for what I need to take in addition to my products. And she actually is now selling Green Miracle because she thinks it's a great product. Mm. Um, and then as far as my skin, yes. like I said, I Tell work harder. Your beautiful, glowy, milky skin. <laughs> what are the secrets? We need to know this. Well, my main secret is always has always been for the past 25 years is aloe vera skincare, aloe vera based skincare versus water-based skincare. So if you think about water evaporates, aloe vera penetrates. So if you have aloe vera as your first ingredient, then it's going to drive the botanicals and the actives and all the good things that are in your product into the skin and into the layers of like if it's dermis, epidermis, subcutaneous layers, wherever it needs to go. And I have different ingredients and all the products that work um, in different ways. And they also have a vectorized delivery system. So that way the product goes to the exact layer of the skin where it's supposed to be and where it's going to be the most useful and most efficacious. So aloe vera, hands down, if there's one thing I would never give up for skincare, it's aloe Mm -hmm. vera. Whether or not I was using my products, if I didn't have that, I would still use aloe vera on my skin. You can actually... I have instances of my clients that had teenagers that could actually heal their acne from just using, cutting an aloe vera leaf open. The plant. Yeah, the plant. plant And just pouring it on. 
And if you used it, I mean, think about years ago when Cleopatra used aloe vera. There's so many instances of, of people um, throughout history. And in the 70s, the only thing you really had natural to put on your skin was aloe vera. And aloe vera itself is a wonderful, wonderful plant to use on your skin. But then if you add botanicals and actives that work at the scientific clinical levels, which is what my products are all about, because we use the clinical study levels in the product, then you'll see your skin, the beautiful glow, the anti-aging effects, the disappearance or the uh, reduction of appearance of lines and wrinkles, the elasticity, the collagen building, all of that being restored. And so you have a radiant tone to your skin. And I Today I don't have skin, I don't have makeup on. I don't wear makeup a lot at home. I do when I go out, uh, but people always comment on my skin, and when they meet me in public, they just always go, "Oh my God, your skin! I need to buy these products." <laughs> right. Well, no. Well, you're you're a walking billboard, so you're you're living proof, as they say, right? Yeah. Right. And I think that that's a real testament. I've seen a lot of people that own skincare lines, and I've seen a lot of their faces up close. We used to be on HSN. <laughs> right. I saw a lot from afar with the Barbara yeah. Walters filter. Right. I've seen a lot of celebrities up close whose skin would just be terrifying if you saw all that. You In know? person. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen a lot of that stuff over the years. And um, I was really, it shocked me, to be honest with you. They're, they're selling skincare, but their skin is not in a good place. So you know, I'm all about walking the talk. And you're walking the talk and you're living proof. And thank you. Like, thank you so much for telling us we need your greens and we need your aloe vera. And everyone needs to hop on the Deandra Glowy Skin Program. So I'm taking notes. Everyone needs to get 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 on it. So apparently, it seems like you have 36 hours in your day because... Oh my God, it's horrible. (laughs) No, it's not. I like to sleep. I like to sleep. That's horrible too, because I love my sleep. No, the sleep is good. Right, 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 right. After you, after you put on your aloe vera, you need to go to sleep. So you're running all of your businesses and you are like a top-notch wife to Jeremy and a stepmom. And you're so actively involved in so many charitable organizations. So I want to hear about what compels you to be so active in philanthropy and which causes are closest to your heart and why? Well, actually, over the last few years, so before I really uh, started, my mother retired from the company, I was doing a lot more charitable um, work, but now I've had to really kind of narrow it down to a few things. And my husband and I really love Mercury One. It's an organization where I'm the global spokesperson internationally. So with regards to that, I went over to Iraq with them and met with um, Sherry Talibani, who's married to the deputy prime minister of Kurdistan, and talked about the work that they were doing to, at this time, it was about three years ago, to help women and children that had been captured by ISIS and uh, Mercury One was rescuing them. Once you rescue them, when they come out of being enslaved for several years and the kids have only grown up seeing horrible, horrific violence, Mm -hmm. what next? So that's kind of something I've worked with Mercury One for several years on. Um, I had specific cases that I was assigned to. Uh, One of the women was Case J. She had been captured for four years, I guess, or three years. Um, And she was captured out of Mosul. She was a university teacher, very educated, very, I mean, not the kind of person you would think. She wasn't a Yazidi. She was, you know, I met with a lot of Yazidis, including the prince of the Yazidis to talk about what happened. But she uh, had been, I think, bought and sold between nine and 16 times. I'd have to go back to my notes. It's been a while. Oh my gosh. Raped and um, brutalized by hundreds and hundreds of men. Uh, by the time we got to her and rescued her, they brought me in because she didn't want to talk to men anymore because men had you know, hurt her so bad. And, and she said, she started crying. I started telling her I'm a survivor of domestic violence. So I'm very involved with domestic violence, charity work. And so I told her my story and cause she didn't trust anyone. And she said, I believe you. And then she started crying and we, I said, may I pray with you? And I prayed with her. Mm-hmm. And then she opened up to tell us her story and we were able to immigrate her to Australia. And she now is speaking English. She's thriving. Are She's doing kidding? better than you would oh ever think. And, and um, I'm looking forward to whoa. going to Australia to meet her. That's yeah. going to be a follow-up. But her story was horrific. She tried to jump off a three-story building to kill herself because she was being brutalized. But now she has this 
new life and she'll never get over the trauma and the nightmares no. of what happened. But those are the, so I went with them over there. I also went to the Ashti one, Ashti two refugee camps, um, visited with the refugees. Um, in addition to that, uh, Mercury one has a lot to do with veterans organizations and helping veterans. My husband is a veteran. We work yes. with them on those projects, human trafficking also as well. Um, I've been a spokesperson um, with regards to that for them. So there's, they have a lot of, they have uh, disaster relief. My husband's a photojournalist, works with them. So mm-hmm. that's really an organization that we work with from day to day all the time. And then I was on the board of UNICEF. I'm still on the board of UNICEF, but I'm going to have to step off because I just don't have the time to attend the meetings and do the things that I need to be doing. And I feel like somebody else with more time could be more useful besides me just writing a check every year. <laughs> so, no. Well, you can still write the check. <laughs> so, uh, your, che- your money's still good here. <laughs> those are really the things. So Mercury One is my focus. Uh, UNICEF, I do. I used to be involved with SPCA and I still we still give money to the SPCA. We have a little rescue dog. In addition to that, anything, like I said, with regards to domestic violence, I've been very active in in the community with regards to that issue. Uh, Children's violence, those are kind of the things I focus on because you -hmm. you can get really spread out. And if you do, then you're not really doing the best work you can. And so I found that for me, it really to focus on veterans affairs or veterans issues and also the domestic violence is really where I need to put my time and effort because those are the things I'm closely uh, related to. Right. You've had experience with, unfortunately, and um, I'm sorry to hear that. And it's, I'm, I'm just sorry. And so it speaks to you. It's relevant. You can help others and you have a major platform and, oh, it just, our world is heavy. So when we're in in a situation, Irene, right now, so I thought about sat down and I wrote something because, you know, everybody was writing things on social media. It took me some time because I'm a thoughtful person and I have to sit down and write down my thoughts because I didn't want to just throw something on a wall and be done with it. Yeah. And let me, let me stop you. So, uh, guys, as we are recording this, um, it is the beginning of June and we are in the middle of the protests for George Floyd. And so Deandra wants to share with you um, what her, what she is doing, which she's hosting an awareness assembly because we need to come together as a nation. And what Deandra is about to tell you is she waited on social media to make her statement on her feelings because she wanted it to come from the heart and she wanted it to be heartfelt and professional and she didn't know what to say. White people don't know what to say and we need to say something even though it's the wrong thing and though it's uncomfortable and though we white people are getting skewered and we have to speak up. And so I just wanted to interrupt Deandra. I'm sorry. But so now she's going to tell you guys what she's doing tonight. Um, it is, I never, like, since COVID, I never know. It's a Friday night. It's a Friday it, night. It's we June actually, 5th. June 5th. We actually were going to do this two nights ago, but we were still under curfew. Now, we're still under curfew here. And I had to call the police department where I live because it's a separate little town and say that I was doing this tonight because I don't want anyone to leave my house and get arrested. My God, you know, and, and they said, okay, That's it's a work the last event. Thing, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm doing is, and when I did post on my Instagram and social media, after I did that, I've got a lot of people, you know, saying not nice things. And then the fact of the matter is my best friend since I was 11 is an African-American woman. That's just the fact of the matter. Okay. So, and I've grown up with her and we are very, very close. And her son, Dylan is, we call him my nephew. Hmm. So, um, he's been a big part of my life. And I wrote on my social media that I worry about him as he goes to school every day. He's in college. Um, if he's going to come home safe, if he's going to be in a situation where he feels you know, marginalized. I mean, I'm a white woman. I don't have this experience as a black person. So tonight, what we decided is I sat with Didi, I called her and I said, Hey, you know, people say we need to do something. I don't know what to do, but I do know that I have a platform. And if we sit down and talk, 
Amen. Maybe that's the first beginning of a solution or the conversation needs to be had and not just anger because all these people are throwing angry arrows at me and I'm trying to do the best I can. But yes, I agree. I don't understand. I wasn't, I was raised as a white privileged woman. Yes. That's the truth of the matter. And that's what Didi and I talked about. So first and foremost, I'm going to say, what is the experience of being a black female being a black male and compared to what I experienced? And let's go over that and then go over the different issues happening and why people are angry and how we can change the conversation to make actually lasting lasting change in this country because it needs to be done. I mean, we're not, my opinion is if we don't get this fixed, if we don't figure this out, we are going to be in a civil war. And that's Mm -hmm. not where any of us want to go. So let's start the conversation. So tonight we're having an honest conversation about solidarity. Where do we go from here? What are the action items I can do? What can I do to support? What can I do to support? I I know I I can talk. So that's good. (laughs) I know I can talk. (laughs) So it's, and I'm not going to do a lot of talking. I'm going to do more moderating. um, And, you know, well, I'll ask the questions and, and obviously I'm just, you know, not as educated as I thought I was because having a friend that was African-American my whole life, I thought I knew a lot, but apparently I don't know enough. And a lot of us don't know enough and we want to know more and we want to help the situation. And I think the looting and the rioting is not the situation, is not the way to help the situation. Peaceful protesting obviously is great, but it seems to these to me that these protests are turning violent. My husband just got hurt the other night. so. What? Yeah, he got hurt. He got a shot by either a rubber bullet, we don't know yet, a canister oh. or a flashbang, and it's on his shooting finger because he's a photographer. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I say shooting, I mean shooting photos. <laughs> right. Uh, well, <laughs> so, right. We, unfortunately, we have to yeah. make that differentiation yeah. right now. So he's a photographer. He works for different wire services like Reuters, for instance. So he was out covering the protest, and he was in the middle of it. He got tear gassed. He got hit with something. His camera broke. Uh, luckily mm. he came home wow. safe and sound and with little injury, but it's a time where this is un- it's unprecedented, it's unprecedented. Nobody knows what to do. We don't know how to, we have to do something now. Yeah. We have to do something. And that's what I'm going to do tonight is learn about what you I can do, do and how I can be better. How's that? Yep. Better now. myself. Yeah. One person in the world trying to make a change and make a difference and do what I can do. And it all starts as everything. It all starts with you, with me. Right. With you and me. And Mm -hmm. instead of just like crawling into bed and watching Netflix, we have to do something, whether our closest friends don't agree or our frenemies don't agree. And they're, you know, putting nasty comments on our social media posts. We have to do something. And I've been talking a lot about this, a lot, a lot on my platform this week about what parents can do to help their children. And it's just, we, we have to be we, parents. We, we have to educate ourselves and then we have to communicate age appropriately to our children. Mm-hmm. And we got to start and we can't stop and we can't stop. We got to start and we're never going to stop. And I, I just, I'm, I am hopeful. I'm hoping that we don't stop because this keeps occurring in the United States of America and nowhere else, nowhere else in the world does this keep occurring. And it's enough. It's enough. I also have one of my um, best friends. So Sydney and Didi are my best friends. So Didi's son, Dylan has to work 12 hour shifts. So he can't come tonight. Now, Sydney, who's a white woman like me, her son is in college and he's very upset. So he's around the age of Cohen and he's going to come over. He's a little younger. He's coming over tonight to talk about what his generation thinks about this and why they're so angry. I love it. And how they feel because they have a different um, opinion and viewpoint than somebody that's 51 like me. So that's, (laughs) I think it's going to be a very, that's going to be a really interesting uh, part of the conversation to hear what he has to say. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to pivot a little bit to steal your word. We've spoken a lot about Jeremy and truth be told, not, a, not many men are really comfortable with a woman who is independent and goal oriented as you are. So can I ask, I, I want to ask, how has being such a forward thinking business woman and reality star impacted your marriage with Jeremy? Well, Jeremy, he always says when he married me, he knew what he was getting into. So <laughs> well, <that's good. laughs> 
<laughs> right. That that um, pretty much helped the entire relationship. Yeah. He, he Eyes had, wide open. It has impacted our relationship because of the fact that financial struggles and um, he knows and we always have these conversations because he's retired from the military. He, you know, 21 years, almost 22 years in service to our country. And he's very, very accomplished on his own. But as far as being the breadwinner, I'm the breadwinner in the the household and the stress is really on top of my head to make things happen. And it's mm-hmm. a lot and you bring it home and you it's argue about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want my husband not to do what he loves because now he's out of the military. He's doing freelance photography, but Honestly, it's feast or famine. And when you have to pay the electric bill every month, um, it's... You need dollar, dollar bills. You need dollar bills and you need you need money coming in the door. So that's probably what we argue about the most. And the fact that we're both artists in some way. Um, I was an oh. actress. I started as an actress years ago. And I'm the only one on my cast that's Screen Actress Guild and Actress Equity. I started ah, on the stage. Ah, member. Sure. Yeah. yeah. When I started on the stage in an equity house. So um, I'm, I'm an artist. I understand that, but I'm a little bit less right brained and I can, I can manage both of my brains. So I can pay the bills. I can get things done. Right. You're um, lefty, you're right, left yeah. brain, right brain, you're artistic, you're creative, you're financial. Yeah. You're like ev- well-rounded. Jeremy's not. Jeremy's right brain only. So okay. we fight about that. We argue about, um, there's a lot of pressure on me, like I said, financially with the business because it wasn't left to me in a good place. And I've worked since I was 12 years old. I've always had one, two, three, four jobs. I have four jobs right now. I work, if you know anyone around me that works with me or that has known me for a long time, they all say that I work harder than anyone they know. And it's true. I'm constantly working and I'm constantly hustling and making it rain because until this business, I can turn it around, which I'm starting to, I was really turning around before COVID, but now then we had COVID and so I'm starting all over. Right. Right. But we, to bring that into the marriage, it's hard. So there's a lot of arguing about uh, about, money, unfortunately money money. and about my, I want my husband to pick up the slack when I can't run a household, do everything. I mean, take some pressure off of your shoulders because yeah. you are the breadwinner. But right, you don't want to squash his dreams, but you're still a person, and you're like, I can only run, like I, I don't want to be running for businesses, but I, they are my passion, but it's a lot on my shoulders, and please help me, and I'm still a person, and I still want to, you know, get my hair done. And, you know, like I have to film the show and, really, you know, help, help our stepchildren. Like, right. You have a lot. And how do you, this is the other thing. If it's, if you're a strong woman, like I am, how mm-hmm. do you have these conversations without emasculating your husband? That's been really hard for 100%. me because I'm very direct and I'm very opinionated. And sometimes I don't deliver things with a velvet hammer, more like a machete, yeah. you know, so <laughs> <laughs> so I need to be able to be better at that. And I believe this year on Real Housewives, we're going to explore that in our marriage, which Jeremy's mm. not real thrilled about, but I think it needs to be explored because people need to understand we're a married couple that has issues just like everybody else. It is mm. not all fairy tales and rainbows every day. Um, no, it's not just like having a fancy party and wearing the ball gown and having glam and just, you know, drinking your champagne. And I'm, I, you know what? <sighs> I'm all about, you know, self-care inside, outside. I'm all about the greens. I'm all about the Botox. I'm all about therapy and meditation and exercise. And I just did Reiki last week because during COVID, Mm -hmm. you know what? This woman was in Nevada. I was in Vermont. I was feeling things. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing well during quarantine with my family. Like there's a lot of people in my house. This is not serving me. I'm depressed. And so I'm all about what what can I do to make me come out of this feeling? I'm, I, I think there's going to be, for all of us, I think it's going to take us many, many months to feel normal again. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really hit rock bottom on Memorial Day weekends. And I said, mm-hmm. I, I have to stop drinking. You know, I have to stop drinking all day long. That's right. That's number one. And now I'm going to make a therapy session. I'm going to, um, you know, I reached out to anyone and everyone I know who's like doing things to enhance themselves. And I'm, I'm an open book. Like, what do you have for me? Like, bring it on. I'm in it because my working out three hours a day and doing my meditation of 10 minutes of headspace isn't cutting the mustard. 
as they say, over the last three months of meditating or, you know, quarantine with the family. So, right. So I'm, I'm, I thank you for being open and sharing because we, you know what, we love watching the housewives because you guys are so glamorous. You're so beautiful. Everything, your homes are beautiful. Everything looks like a beautiful social media post, right? Mm -hmm. And you have always, you're, you're honest. You know, what housewife have we ever watched be so honest about being broke, right? <laughs> like it's Well, and really- I wish people would understand that that was not easy for me. And even, and when I joined this show, I, I did it knowing full well that I'm a very transparent person. I'm, I'm, you know, I tell it like it is. And that's probably my biggest asset and my biggest failure <laughs> because I don't have the, that gray area. I'm just black and white and it is what it is. And I'm very, I know, but you know what? It takes so much. It takes a lot of energy to put yourself in that gray area. Instead, you're like, here's, this is me. Take it or leave it. Like, I, and I'm, I'm going to try to explore, honestly, Irene, I'm going to try to, um, Irene, I'm going to try to explore my softer side this year, but I am still, this is what I, I committed to. And my husband and I, and my mother and I, we have these discussions every year because they're not necessarily wanting me to show that we have these struggles. And a lot of the other housewives don't want you to see, they want you to see the fairy tale. They want you to see the Birkins and they want you to see the expensive cars and the nice houses. But what oh, does yeah. really go on in those marriages? So I've always brought to the table, okay, you want to talk about me not having any money right now? Fine. I'm broke. I'll admit it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's see how I'm going to get myself out of that. And my business is still struggling and that's, we're not going to discuss business as much this year, but we're going to go on to the next thing. I'm not going to fight with my mother this year. That's over. Um, but I am going to go, my husband and I are very happily married, but also you have different issues in your marriage. It's not, like I said, happy all the time. And with us, we have specific issues. I think he's, he's very ADD and that frustrates me. And then we have the financial discussions. So we're going to go over that. Now, is he on board hundred percent? Not quite yet, but I think well, it's he uncomfortable be. to be so transparent. Yeah. Right, but I've like, got. This is why I'm doing it too. Not only because I want to be real about what's in my life, and that's why I joined a Real Housewife show, and I always mm-hmm. want to be 100 authentic. But also because I know I'm at fault because my delivery on things is not the best, and I may be a little bit too emasculating or a little too harsh, and that's why the message isn't getting received. So I'm. We're going to go to counseling, and I'm going to talk about. Yeah. This is what I want, but this is also yeah. This is what I'm doing wrong because I understand that it takes two to tango, and I'm 50 percent. Ma'am. the problem. So maybe it'll make our marriage stronger. Not that there's a problem. Not marriage, maybe. Not, not maybe. I'm oh, hoping. It will. No, it will. It will. And like home run. I'm proud of you because it's really, it's counseling and therapy is really uncomfortable, but that shit works. It well, works. I will continue. Like I said, on this show, I'll continue as long as I'm useful and I can t- tell a story that maybe would help someone or help them see things in a different light. But if I can't contribute anymore, then that's my time to go. I always say there's a housewives expiration date and whenever mine's here, I will be exiting gracefully and that'll be the end of it. And that's, that's kind of how I feel. So I never know what year, what, you know, this is my fourth season. I'll never know if next season's the time for me to go if the time after that, if they cancel the show, as long as I'm useful, I'll be here. But if it becomes where I'm not useful anymore, I feel like I'm not telling stories that people resonate with or relate to, then then it's time to move on and have somebody else come on that can tell a different story or tell a story that people want to hear. Well, we will eagerly await. And I assume my listeners can expect to see all the latest and greatest updates on your social media. So what is the best way for them to find you? Yes. And before you leave that, you know, now I'm the old bitch on the show because <laughs> I'm the oldest one. Honey, now. <laughs> 51. Is I'm the funny? oldest one. So I'm like, yes, I'm the matriarch. <laughs> I'm the oldest lady here. So it's kind of funny. Um, so people can follow me and updates for what's happening um, with, you know, Housewives World or anything else at Deandra Simmons on Instagram, D-A-N-D-R-A. S-I-M-M-O-N-S. And on Facebook, it's D apostrophe, capital A-N-D-R-A. 
S-I-M-M-O-N-S. That's my Facebook page. And then Twitter, it's uh, at D-A-N-D-R-A-S-I-M-M-O-N-S. Deandra Simmons. And then Hard Night Good Morning is my skincare line, hardnightgoodmorning.com. We also have an Instagram page. And Ultimate Living is my nutrition line. Ultimate Living D is the Instagram page. So please follow us. And um, we also have, you know, lots of, I, I do those twice a week, those different Facebook and Instagram things normally. And we have specials and sales and um, really appreciate people supporting our businesses because it's been great. And thank you well, for everything today, Irene. I'm, I'm Irene. I keep, I got to say your name right. Okay. Irene. Irene. Okay. Irene. Like Airstream, Irene. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about the Airstream, Irene. I always say Air Jordan because, you know, we lived in Chicago for so long. So I always think of Air, you know, Michael Jordan. Um, but yeah, Airstream, Irene. I love it. Uh, well, thank you for joining Deandra and me today. I hope we inspired you to put the me in mommy and you can find Deandra on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and her websites. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at GetMom and check out my website, GetMom.com to learn more about how to get it together. For now, this is this is me. This is Erin Airstream, your biggest cheerleader <laughs> here to help you get it together. And this podcast was recorded by Hanger Studios. Mm-hmm.